Welcome back to another episode of The Catalyst by Soft Choice, the podcast dedicated to exploring the intersection of people and technology. I'm your host, Cheryl Stukes. With the rise of generative AI and the infinite number of platforms that aim to make our lives more efficient, more productive, and more automated, artificial intelligence is taking the world by storm. AI has revolutionized so many industries already, including healthcare, finance, transportation, and manufacturing, to name a few. But of all the ways you could picture AI at work, was window washing one of them? It wasn't for me. That is until I learned about our next guest. Michael Brown is the CEO of Skyline Robotics, a company that is revolutionizing the building maintenance industry with Osmo, the world's first robotic armed window cleaner. And Michael's here to share insights on the impact of Osmo on building facade maintenance, as well as his company's role in shaping the future of work for window washers and workplace safety. It's a conversation I find fascinating because it has so many implications for how work gets done by humans across so many industries. Welcome to The Catalyst, Michael, and thank you for being here with me. Thanks for having me. To kick things off, tell me a bit about your background and your journey to becoming CEO of Skyline Robotics. Sure. So I started in the office supply business after I graduated Syracuse University in 1994. It was a family business, and it was a distribution and services business. We did acquisitions, and then we did tuck-ins all across the United States. We was able to build that company up to about $400 million, sold that to Office Depot in 2006, came back into the industry, and then did that again, and sold a $300 million company to Staples in 2018. That's what led me to Skyline. Wow. So a, so a builder, a true builder of, uh, of net new companies. Yeah. I mean, I like, to, I like to look at business processes and how things work and try to come at it at a different angle. So, you know, Staples and Office Depot were both two multi-billion dollar companies, but where we created value was in the service and was being able to offer other services besides just office supplies. That's great. So I'd love to pivot a little bit and let's talk tech. So I got deep into your website last night as I was telling you, Michael, and I would love to know what is Osmo and how does it work? Sure. So Osmo is all off-the-shelf hardware. We're using a KUKA arm. We're using an Auster LiDAR. And we put that together in a patented way. And then we use artificial intelligence that and algorithms that we've written because we can give Osmo the sense of touch and the sense of sight. So Osmo, when he, she are up on the scaffold, they're able to see and touch what they're cleaning. So how does that compare? How does Osmo compare to traditional window cleaning methods in terms of overall cost and efficiency? So right now, if you take a market like New York City, two people are in a basket one person is on the roof, and they conduct the cleaning. In our situation, we have one person needed on the roof and no people in the basket. Currently, we are working with the Department of Labor in New York. They're asking that we have one person in the basket now until we prove that the technology 
has had many runs and works. Uh, we've done already multiple demos in New York, so we've been able to prove at least the technology works and we have customers for it. It's interesting. So I imagine that the regulations would vary market by market. And you talk specifically about New York, but I'd be curious as to what other sort of regulations are you seeing in other major cities? Sure. So New York is the number one regulated market on the planet. Um, We started in New York for two reasons. Um, Even though we're an Israeli-based company and the R&D is all based out of Israel, um, New York being the highest regulated market was really where we wanted to start and because I also live here. So for me, being in New York, I know a lot of real estate people and we felt that the developers with the labor shortages that are in New York and the cost to clean, uh, we thought that New York would be the best place to start. And we started in November of 21 with our first demo at Hudson Yards, one of the related buildings. It's so interesting. I I read a great line recently. It said, you know, AI is not going to take your job, but a person using AI may. Mm. It's an interesting industry because I I don't think I ever went to school and said, you know what, I'm going to hang off of 50-foot buildings or 100-foot buildings. This is kind of an interesting thing because it's not like a replacement for a high-tech worker or, you know, I, I think about something like ChatGBT, where everybody in marketing is nervous. How will that affect my job? This is actually a good displacement of jobs because it's such dangerous work. Yes, but we're not actually displacing the work. So what we've done is we have done our deals with the actual window cleaning companies. So we've entered through and said, okay, we have a tool for you to utilize that will be safer, faster, and better, and will allow you from using three people at one building to only using one. What we're utilizing the AI for is to take the humans out of risk and allowing them now to be upskilled and uptrained to become a robotic technician window cleaner. So what we're able to do is work with the unions to retrain and recertify for them to be able to become robot technicians. And they're then able to do the cleaning utilizing the robots rather than utilizing human labor. So you have a call from three people down to one and you have the people no longer needing to put themselves in danger being outside thousands of feet. Yeah, I don't think I would ever sign up to be in one of those baskets. There wouldn't be enough money on earth that you could pay me to do that. So I would be the first one that would be signing up to become the robot technician. It's also interesting, you also become way cooler when it's take your parent to school day or in going into talking about careers. Imagine standing up at the front of the class to say, you know, I'm a robot technician. I mean... Well, how about this? When I was younger and I was uh, single and I would... I would meet people, they'd be like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm in the oil supply business. I sell pens and paper clips. Today, when I see people and I say robotics, I mean, I'm like the, the biggest uh, hit around. So uh, yeah, you're 100% right. Being in the robotics area is a very exciting area right now. 
So, Michael, you talk about the efficiency gain. So the ability to wash multiple windows at once, the efficiency gains in terms of being able to wash the windows quicker and safer. What are some of the other ways that building managers can benefit from this type of technology? Sure. So in a city like New York, first of all, there's a cleaning season. So their cleaning season is usually from April through October. So you lose a fair amount of time to do the actual maintenance. So one, by utilizing the robots, which are timed and we know exactly how quickly it can clean windows, they can plan out their operations for the utilization of the basket throughout the year. So that's one. Two, because we're on the side of the facade or the building, we want to own the facade. So the window cleaning was really just the beginning. We want to also have inspection services. So for us to add a couple infrared or hyperspectral cameras to be able to see if you have any cracks in windows, any caulking missing in windows, any uh, heat escaping from the building. When you talk about ESG, what's going on right now, especially, and I keep on utilizing New York, but especially in New York is you've local law 97, where they're going to have very high standards for ESG. And Bloomberg just came out and said that in 2025 and subsequently in 2030, New York City real estate owners will start paying $900 million in fines a year. So they need to get a hold of this ESG situation. And that's what that product hopefully is going to be able to provide other people with. Do you have an estimated timeline on when you anticipate that product coming to market? Or are you in market already with that? So our timeline is getting started at the end of this year. We have customers for new construction projects that want this very quickly. So the development world wants to understand their health facade profile of their assets. So this is something that we've identified. We've identified what's needed, and we're just really working with the industry to figure out what are the most important inspection services today and then prioritize those and start getting going. But the hardest thing is being up there and we're there anyway, cleaning the windows. So, you know, we see being on the side of the building, we're going to be able to do polishing. We're going to be able to do inspection services. We're going to be able to do cleaning. And because we use LIDAR, we can clean at night. So now you can move all of your commercial cleaning of windows outside to nighttime, which is very important because when you think about the tenants in the building that are spending all this money on $1,000 per square foot, they don't want to see people cleaning windows during the day. So here we're going to be able to move the cleaning to nighttime. Oh, wow. That's a huge benefit. I hadn't even considered that before. But yeah, it is pretty jarring if you're sitting in a meeting and you see somebody outside the window. I mean, it can feel intrusive almost, right? Very intrusive. Yeah. And for us, our cameras aren't looking at, uh, we don't know who's in what. It's just looking at, you know, heat and just images. Can't hear anything. So, you know, the privacy situation is not an issue either. Clear privacy gains there. I'd like to talk a little bit about training and support. 
this is obviously very, very dangerous work. And I'm curious, what kind of training and support do you offer customers that use Osmo? And how do you ensure that they're able to use the technology effectively and safely? Great question. We have a dealer company's name is Platinum in New York City. They're the largest building services company here. They control about 165 contracts for grade eight buildings in New York. They're people that are monitoring the BMU units. We are training them and have trained them both on-site and off-site, and they get certified to use this. Now, in New York, because the Department of Labor asked us to have a person in the basket, we converted the robot to a cobot. What a cobot is, is it is for collaboration with humans so that if a human is anywhere near the robot and touches anything, the robot automatically stops. So from a danger standpoint, we've fixed that situation. But I will tell you that with the technology the way it is, we've taken the human danger out of the equation. I'm so excited to have learned a new word today, cobot. So that's definitely one that uh, I'm going to bring and uh, talk to my kids over at dinner tonight as I talk about the interview that I did today, but also that I learned this new word that they can go talk to their friends about. So, Michael, this is a podcast that speaks to the impact of technological innovation on everyday people. And of course, that includes workers. We just talked about the cobot, but I'm curious To what other impact do you think that Osmo will have on the job market for window cleaners? And how do you plan to address any potential concerns around job displacement? So 76% of all window cleaners in the United States are over the age of 40. 8% have an age between 20 and 30. You've had 176% growth in new building construction and there are nowhere near the amount of people. So this is really the solution is really for us to help get this done of cleaning windows and inspection. There's just not enough people. They were to call up the union right now in New York, 32BJ, and say, hey, please send me two more bodies for the job. They have no one. So New York high labor markets are having a very difficult time finding labor to perform these dirty, dangerous, dull jobs. In the future, so there are markets like in the GCC that have nothing but labor, very inexpensive labor. Those markets will be secondary markets for us. Those markets, after we utilize our robots, let's say in New York, will then, since it's already paid for, will then bring them to those secondary markets for the labor. But we're very, very cognizant of automation stealing jobs. We're trying to create automation to help an industry that don't have enough people in the labor force and to take away the danger. It's it's so fascinating and, and it's 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 interesting because you are truly solving a societal challenge that we have around labor shortages and, and dangerous work with technology. In light of the ongoing debates, Michael, around the impact of AI and automation on society, how do you see Osmo and other robotic technologies fitting into the broader conversation about the future of work? And I'm curious as to what role you see humans playing in the continued evolution of this technology. Yeah, I mean, I understand everyone's concern, but I think the first wave of 
robotic automation is really going to be in what I call the 3Ds, the dirty, dull, dangerous jobs. I don't see them taking jobs from teachers and I don't see them, you know, taking what I would call necessary relationship jobs. I think the jobs that are dangerous can be displaced. That's what I'm seeing. So I'm seeing automation in construction. I'm seeing automation in space exploration. I mean, what SpaceX has done is unbelievable. And I just think that automation, there's just no reason for people to be put at risk. We have the technology. The technology didn't exist. So it wasn't like, you know, everyone was like, oh, well, you know, who cares about the people? The technology didn't exist. You know, autonomous cars and LIDAR really brought a lot of this technology to the forefront. And, you know, one of the big issues that I see in our world today as it relates to technology is that everyone's looking for it to solve 100% of a problem. And nothing's ever going to solve 100% of a problem. And when you look at autonomous car driving, for instance, we know for a fact that if we turned it on tomorrow, we would lower deaths in a tremendous way. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Everyone wants 100% fix. And unfortunately, for technology to advance and for society to save lives, we need to be able to be at 98% right not a hundred percent right we'll get to the hundred percent for the you know the two percent of all these odd things that happen that you can't be ready for but that's the big thing the difference between what we do and other prop tech companies do is that we're working in a variable environment like an autonomous car there's wind there are you know different temperature conditions we have the ability to self-stabilize our basket. If, God forbid, there was a huge wind gust to turn it around, our arm's able to extend and, and touch the building to be able to self-stabilize. And no one is going to be worried if a robot gets stuck in a basket hundreds of feet in the air. Yeah, it's a good it's a good point. Uh, I, I'm You talk a lot about sort of this brand new technology and how it didn't exist before. And I'm really curious, Michael, about the business side of this and, and taking a brand new technology, the first of its kind to market. How does that work? And, and what were some of the key learnings that you had? So the great news is we're building out the ecosystem with the industry. So the industry has a very large desire to bring automation, hasn't seen automation in 60, 70 years. We're working with facade consultants, we're working with construction companies, we're working with the developers, the building service cleaners. I would say that one of the key learnings I found out was where I thought the technology was, it's not. You know, I like to move very quickly, but the good news is, is that we have a product, and I kind of look at it like the iPhone. When the iPod first came out, it didn't have a phone. Then all of a sudden, now we've got everything on the iPhone. Right now, our version one of Osmo is able to clean windows. Tomorrow's version will be able to do inspection services, and then it will be able to do the uh, polishing. But from a business standpoint, being first, I believe the number one thing is to walk in asking questions 
about how to solve the issue rather than walking in with, here's the solution. That has been one of the best lessons I learned in my previous career, which is ask the customer what they really want. And let's see if we can actually get there because every situation is different. And the good news is that as technology continues to get better, we're going to be able to continue to come up with better, safer, cheaper solutions. I mean, I've never seen a business have as much demand as we have. Um, We've no salespeople. All of our inquiries come in over our website and we have 140 million dollars of new potential projects that we're working on for new construction all around the world so i think you're going to see one a lot of new construction buildings with our technology and i think you'll see a lot of the larger buildings being retrofitted with our technology because all we have to do is put the robot in the basket and we're good to go. That's fantastic. I'd be I'd be remiss if I don't ask you the question. So Soft Choice, we're a North American solution provider, but our headquarters is actually in Toronto. Do you have any plans to expand your offering to Canada? We do. We do. We do. So right now we have ongoing and identified partners in London, Australia, Hong Kong, We're working on the GCC with the UAE and the Saudi regions. And in Toronto, there was a company by the name of Ellis Don, a very large company. We've spoken to them. So Toronto is a market that we're also very interested in. And Quebec is a big opportunity. Vancouver is a big opportunity. So we see Canada as a big opportunity. We just have been focused on New York and the global new construction demand. That makes sense. And Michael, I would love to know when I can have an Osmo for my home to clean my windows in the summer, which is my least favorite job. Can can you help me with that one? Yeah, sure. I can help for you. We just need the BMU on top of your house and we are good to go. All right. Well, I'll I'll put that on the list of things that I'll I'll talk to my family about at dinner tonight and and see how they react. So, Michael, this has been great. I really enjoyed our conversation. Well, it really is technology for the greater good. And I'm so excited to see the continued evolution of Osmo. I'll be watching and following along. And uh, I really thank you for taking the time to spend with us today. My pleasure. Artificial intelligence has the potential to do a lot of good. From improving healthcare outcomes to addressing climate change and enhancing workplace safety, AI can help solve some of our most pressing 21st century challenges. But like any technology, the responsible and ethical development of AI is crucial to ensure that it benefits everybody without exacerbating existing inequalities. Businesses like Skyline Robotics that are developing practical solutions for real-world problems understand the importance of prioritizing ethical and responsible AI development. The future of work will undoubtedly be shaped by AI, but there's still so much work to be done to ensure that these changes are for the greater good and for everyone.